<laughs> All right, welcome in three guys talking about podcast. It is episode sixty, the Chuck Bednarik episode. It is January twelfth, twenty twenty three. We've got the college football season to uh, wrap up. Uh, did not go well for our Bison, but brighter days are ahead. TCU lobotomized was lobotomized by Georgia. I got. Let's see here. I got six rounds of golfing in four days. We got the NFL playoffs keeping coming up. And Aaron Rodgers might not be a Packer anymore. So we'll see it. Yes, Ethan. Um, Not too bad. Most of my job is picking up. Not, 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 not too bad. I don't know, like. My hands are like permacallist as it is because of my job where I'm picking up cases all day. So, yeah. <laughs> whoa. You need to go to a doctor. But, yeah. I, uh, Did the Arizona Sun beat you or January? It's not terrible. In the morning it's it is fairly chilly. Um I was still I wore I didn't wear sweats or pants at all. But we we had a couple of early tea times where we got out like at like eight o'clock in the morning and you could it was brisk. It I would say it was like it was like the perfect running weather. Like it it was like the sun was up, it was like fifty, like you could go out running like shorts and a long sleeve t shirt would have been perfect. So then, but, did you in the afternoon train for your half marathon in the Arizona, in the Arizona winter? I did not because we were golfing. Like like I said, Saturday we Saturday we did eighteen. We teed off, or yeah, Saturday we teed off in the morning, and then I actually we actually had a uh, my cousin was getting married, so we went to the wedding. It worked just happened to work out where his, he was getting married, and we were there, so we figured why not go to it. So we went to the wedding, and then Sunday, we went. To, uh, we golfed right away in the morning because we wanted to get back and watch the Bison game, but there wasn't a whole lot to watch. And then Monday, we teed off a little bit later. We teed off at like 10, 10.30-ish, and we got done. It was a sun was out. It was, it was 70, 75 degrees out. Beautiful day, no wind at all. So we went into the clubhouse, wanted to see if we could do do another 18. And they said, yeah, go ahead. They gave us a good rate. And that's what we did. We went and played another 18. And then Tuesday, it was, it was the same thing. We started at like 8. And that was the one day we planned for sure to do 36. And we got all 36 done. It was uh, started at, I think we teed off at like 8.30. and. Got done at about quarter to quarter to five, eight o'clock or five o'clock, and then the rest of the uh, came home, ate, and just kind of packed up, and because we had to leave early in the morning, and Did we Camelback like every other tourist that goes to Arizona. No, no, we uh, we're we're not hikers. We try to look be somewhat of golfers, even though it's questionable sometimes about that, even. Tony Camelback is a real bitch. I've heard. Hey, I've heard it. So uh, we can see Cliff Kingsbury's house from there. I hear. I Make, say, well, probably for not very long, much longer. 
I was gonna say, speaking of Camelback, there's a there's a home in the open market down there where you can see it. Um, you know, from his unlike how unlike I'm a, unable to see, barely see you guys at all. <laughs> how um, you can from his room with the fireplace inside where he took the that draft photo, you can see Camelback from that room. So maybe if we put our all our money together, maybe not this lifetime, but next lifetime we might be able to buy that house. Who knows? Maybe the housing market's going to take a crash. And I made it back even with uh, the every single flight being grounded in this morning. So, yeah, it worked out. But would uh, you guys do anything over the weekend? Um, we tried to watch football on Monday night. That didn't go very well. Um, no. That was just a bad day. Uh, otherwise, no, nothing uh, too eventful for myself. I worked, and uh, I don't even think I did anything eventful at all. That's why I can't remember anything. So, yeah, no. I mean, it was just another classic Grant weekend. What does he do? He works. He lifts crazy weight, eats a lot of food, watches football, finished season two of Yellowstone. I finally drank the juice like you guys, and it's it's probably the best decision I've ever made. Is that why you're uh... – is that is that why why you, you're you're really trying to get the beard growing more and you got a cowboy hat on you you, you think you're ripped now or oh, what are, are are the boots are the cowboy boots ordered or the boots, are, the boots are not ordered since I'm only okay. on season two I, I'm not far along yet where the boots are ordered but you know with the beard you you know you know me that's uh you know about four or five weeks and I trim it down and it's just happened to be the perfect timing where it's coming back now and at work we had a little shindig going on this weekend where they gave us cowboy hats. And, you know, 100% of the people said, hey, Grant, that's a decent look on you right now. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I think I can kind of pull this off, too. So then I'm telling myself, you know what, to surprise Dylan a little bit before we get on this call tonight, I'm going to put the cowboy hat on and see where it goes. Um, yeah. And, and, and now we're here. So, and, so like I said, I think it's a nice look. And I'm, who knows? I might, might wear it more often. There you go. There you go. And you're going to get, like, a, get some pearl snap shirts. You're going to have a belt buckle. I mean, we 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 have like two different alter egos for you already, and we're only two episodes into this year. We've got we've oh, got tap out MMA MMA Grant, and then we've got Cowboy Grant. You just you got to find yourself someone who can do um, multiple things, like position versatility. And I'm doing that right now with my personalities and the clothes I can wear. This is going to be good. Oh. Yep, yep, you your versatility. That's what uh, that's you know, what uh, makes you makes you likable. The Fox Racing T-shirt. With a backwards monster hat, just kind of you know your all around bad person. But who knows? That might get there. You know, you and punching to... punching walls every time the uh, every time the Chiefs defense gives up a touchdown, which could be a fair amount. We'll see next. We'll see next week. <laughs> <laughs> who, who who knows? I mean, you know, you go to Florida once or two more times this year, then you really might start to adapt. And then and then bad things will happen. This might be the two guys talking ball podcast. If you don't understand, I might be put away. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to go visit Grant. Ethan might be doing his visitations every every week, visiting Grant, so we can record it. Speak that, that video I saw on Instagram this weekend. There was some guy came. It was a joke. He goes, "People in Florida." He walked out of his front door. Some guy slow dancing with the gator in, in floodwaters. That's that guy <laughs> dancing with the gator suit. It's gonna be me. Did uh, you know who else is uh, probably punching walls right now? Sonny Dykes? Uh, no, no. Well, he probably he probably is too. Mets fans. 
Uh, Mets fans are. Yeah, Mets fans. <laughs> we only spent six hundred million dollars this offseason, not eight hundred. Yeah, what a bunch of cowards. Yeah. Yeah, and Carlos Correa is back as Ethan called all along. We'll give it up. We'll give it up for Ethan. Shout out to Ethan for figuring that out. Especially for the last three days, I straight up texted them, what was it, Sunday night, saying there was a shit ton of steam on Twitter of all places saying is gonna be back and here we are. Carlos Correa introduced as a twin, and honestly, it might be the first of his career. Well, speaking of Ethan, Lerner, so is there? There's no, there's no like opt out clause after trade clause. It can be upwards of ten years. So he's all in. So he's going to be there for sure for the next six, right? I think that's what I saw was six it was years. like six year, two hundred million. Yes, and he even said his son is going to be great growing up as Minnesota Knights today. Oh, okay. There you go. He's all right, in. that's he's all in. He's all in. Did you guys ever figure out what that special announcement was that they were tweeting out? Uh, no idea, but they're about to trade for Pablo Lopez from the Marlins, so huh. that's the next move. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I have no – they did come out with, like, their for C4, Korea 4, whatever. They came out with $4 tickets. Whether that was the big announcement, I have no idea. Or was the big announcement they were talking about just his press conference? I don't think so. There's no I, way. I, I, I don't know. Because – I don't know if it almost felt like the uh, the Jay Glazer back in 2020 when he uh, said he has like a big announcement to make on whatever their Fox show was like it was like a free agency special and he was going to make some big announcement and all it was was some guy tested positive for COVID. Oh, that seems about right. Yeah, that seems fair, but no, I, I haven't heard anything. So, no, I don't know. Just. Correa's back in Minnesota, you know, for six years. I will say he looks, in his Instagram post, looks so good in the New Jersey that just says. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Those jerseys are just something else. Twins twins hit a home run with those jerseys. They did fantastic. It just sucks he wasn't able to, like, showcase my Mall of America with the rest of the team. But you know what? He's here. Uh, He said he was texting with Buxton every single day throughout the process. But uh, he's home. Hey, better late than never. Yeah. That's what I well, he'll be Twins Fest is coming up, isn't it? So I bet you he'll be at Twins Fest uh, sporting the new unis. Well, one, one, one would think. He has photos already of all of them everywhere. Okay. But yeah, what did you guys? Uh, what did you guys think of the uh, the the Georgia TCU game? Was there? Uh, we every, every the, you know, like we said, I think we said that there was really no outcome that didn't surprise us. Other than TCU winning by forty, and it played out like we said it was going to be, where Georgia didn't play a great game. TCU played a perfect game in the semifinal. Georgia came out, and it's probably being putting it nicely as a uh, steamroll. I just wish TCU would have played better because, like, I think we all know they are better than what they actually showed that night. But at the same time. I think Georgia wanted to prove something after they gave up so many yards, so many points to Ohio State. They came out saying, like, we're going to fuck these guys. And my God, did they ever. Um, I don't think there will ever be another championship game that lopsided. Uh, but, I mean, Georgia's the real deal. They showed it. And, honestly, they might do the same damn thing next year. Yeah. But it just seems like they just re- refuel. They retool. Like, they retool, re-tool. yeah. Refuel, retool. I'm still on vacation mode. It's, you know, brain's not. I was going to say you're. You know, it usually operates at about like a 30% clip. Right now, it's probably closer to about a six, six oh, to seven. 
giving yourself less credit than I was going to give you. I was going to say you at least function at 50%, but you said 30%, so we're rolling with that. Yeah, well, you know, Grant, as the humblest person you know, I just have to live up to that. Those are your words, not mine. Uh, I never said you were humble. I said you were better than me. I no, no, oh, no. There, there are text messages that say I am the humblest guy you know. All right, well, I don't, from you. I don't remember saying that. I very well may have. So, um, I don't forget. I don't forget compliments like that. That's what a shame that is that I made that mistake because that's something you're never going to forget. Um, well, it's the truth, though. But uh, you know, no. I mean, like I said, there's one team in this country this year when they turn it on, they turn it on, and no one's going to touch them. And that was the Georgia Bulldogs. On Monday night. Yeah, and and realistically. That game probably should have been a shutout because the the uh, pass interference that they called on Georgia that TCU was able to get their first touchdown on, that was just guys losing their footing and slipping and the ref maybe realizing that this game is going to be ugly, so we might as well just give TCU a touchdown. And it probably should have been 60, well... Technically, I guess you could say six to six to nothing because they missed the PAT. But no, I, I just I think Georgia proved on Monday night that there was no team in this country that could play with them when they were all in when they when they were locked and loaded. I mean, then you could just tell it was going to be ugly at halftime when Kirby goes. You know what? The third quarter has been our worst quarter of the year this year. TCU's been great. We got to go pedal the metal. And I'm thinking, there's no way they can. He's going to call the dogs off. No pun intended there. Um, <laughs> and and they're just you know they're going to win this game fifty two you know forty eight to seven. But I mean they took Stenson Bennett out. It was fifty two seven. They scored two more touchdowns with their twos in. Yeah. I mean they just <laughs> they were just on an absolute roll and they were on a mission. And you know Dylan reminds me of the conversation we had maybe seven years ago now when Georgia was struggling with Mark Richt. Before they fired him, we said, there's no excuse for this team not to be the best team in this country. With the amount of talent that's in that state, you have Florida nearby, Alabama, Louisiana. If you get the right coach in there and they coach them up with the players that they have at their resources, they're going to absolutely destroy people and Alabama doesn't stand a chance. Well, fast forward seven years and, you know, we were right. I mean, it's just, you look at their roster, I saw the next day that 77 players from Georgia, I think, Another 17 from Florida, like one from Pennsylvania, three from Louisiana, a couple from Alabama. I mean, they just – they have anything and everything at their, at their hands, and then they can just put the most ridiculous team in America together. Did you guys hear Kirby Smart's uh, pregame speech to the team? Yeah, a lot of F-bombs. Yeah, yeah well, a lot of F-bombs um, – it definitely explained why they played the way they played. And sometimes, you know, you know, maybe it wasn't, it was okay. Michigan wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't playing in, in that game and TCU was. Well, Michigan didn't need to get blown out by this team two years ago. True, true, exactly. It's all going to be, it's all going to work itself out when Michigan's the one that takes them down next year. But that is not happening. I'm gonna, that's I'm what gonna, you think. No, that, that's what I know. Oh, I know. shoot, that's right. That's right. Jim Harbaugh paid for some couple of cheeseburgers, and, you know, if 
as the model of consistency and holding people accountable, I have to say, you, you there's no other rule or logical thing to say other than you have to give Michigan the death penalty because it starts with cheeseburgers. And then it's a steak dinner. And then a steak dinner turns into dinner in a movie. And then a dinner in a movie turns into a new car. And then a new house for your parents. You know, you, you got to draw the line at some point. So, you know what? Michigan's going to be getting the death penalty. I'm going to have to get a new team to cheer for. Are, there, are these are these new NCAA violations coming from Michigan? Or is this the story of how your future relationship is going to go? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay, just yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to go back real quick to the, the pregames, which I have heard better, actually including my high school basketball coach for yelling at my teammate at halftime for letting a kid with a fake leg burn by him for a layup. That was better than what Kirby Smart did. <laughs> okay. There, there you go. Like, this is random here, but was there any, um, like, unreported murders or people on the loose Monday night in Los Angeles? No, just a, lot of, just a lot of grown men barking. Well, no, I'm just I'm wondering because – if, if I haven't heard the speech yet, but if it's as good as you guys are making it out to be, you got to wonder if some of these Georgia fans heard that on the internet and went out and just randomly knifed a guy in Los Angeles. I, mean, honestly, I honestly didn't think it was like that, like, great of a speech to be put down. It was, it, was, it was what a football coach would say. It's, it, I mean, it's one of those things that's like. You just go fuck the other team. Like, to me, that's not like a message. It's just you screaming swear words at a team. I don't, I don't think it had much of a meaning. It's, it's, it's great when it works. I mean, it did. Well, until team. until you say that next year, if you play Alabama in the SEC title game, and then they hit you in the face, and then at halftime, it's like, all right, coach, what are your words now? Because you tried to get us fired up before, and we're getting our ass kicked. Like it didn't seem like a, a KOC speech you hear after the game, like motivational. Anything like that it was just him screaming swear words and saying they're going to go beat the living bleep out of this team. Like it really wasn't like a leadership speech. But that's what makes Georgia Georgia. They just go out and beat the hell out of people. Yeah. So I teach their own, but I honestly didn't think it was accurate of a speech. Yeah. Uh, trying to see if I can find the actual transcript of it and maybe read it to you guys, but I'm can I'm struggling trying to find it. We can play it after we're done recording. But go down to the other uh go down to the FCS and discuss the uh beatdown that the Jackrabbits put on NDSU forty five twenty one. That call a spade a spade. That's what it was. I NDSU was going to have to play a near perfect game. They did, they did not play a near perfect game. I am pretty sure Isaiah Davis and Amar Johnson are still running. Fair. And this is just not fun to say. As like, I just don't like saying saying nice things about South Dakota State. But I, you got you. It they was they were the better team. They played like it. And they showed why they were the best team all year. They ran for they ran for two hundred and eighty three yards, seven yards a carry. How much NDS, NDSU could not get off the field on third down. A lot of times where they had some, you know, some third and medium, third and long situations where it felt favorable, they couldn't. Um, Cam Miller, I didn't think played terrible, but South Dakota State controlled the game. They 
held the ball for most of the first half. And when ASU did have the ball, they weren't able to move it. They they struggled. Draw, scramble thing where they threw it to the fullback was like incredible play. The touchdown, the long one. The the first for NDSU or for South Dakota State. South Dakota State. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was counter. That seems like they've ran that play for like the last like three or four times they've played NDSU in in a different version. Like in night or in twenty one in Brookings, where they just snapped it directly to uh guy he's playing for the Pierre Strong. Where yeah. they just they basically snapped it underneath the quarterback's legs, like what Texas Tech did in the bowl game against Ole Miss, and he like took a step forward and then threw it up right over the top for a touchdown. But yeah, in South Dakota State, outside of Tucker Craft, they're really not losing anybody. The Yankee twins are back. Gronowski's still got three years of eligibility left. Isaiah Davis and a and their other running back. What's that? Isaiah Davis, he's a sophomore, right? Junior. He is a he's junior. A ju- he'll be a senior next year. The Yankee Twins have a sixth year of COVID eligibility. And they're, and I think I saw something that said their offensive line is coming back. Like all five starters. And NDSU, they... Sorry. You think Davis could totally go power five if he wanted to. The dude's a... So, so could you... There's, there. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm. I guarantee you, there's teams looking at him. I guarantee you, there's team MGS programs looking at Gronowski. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's also rumors floating around that Stiegelmeyer might retire. So, who knows? There, but yeah, as of now, as on paper, as everything stands, holds. SDSU will be the unanimous number one going in next year. Yeah. NDSU, they've got to get better. They have. The biggest difference that they've lacked these last few years is their D tackles have not been what they were. Uh, this year they were young. They were they showed improvement throughout the year, but South Dakota State, who has very four, three, four, five years, sometimes even six year guys on the offensive line, that's men playing amongst boys. There's really there's nothing you can do. NDSU doesn't have a Nate Tangway, a Brian Schatz, a Le'Veon Perry. Going through the walking through the doors, so to be completely honest, after being in the oh, big dude, yes, yeah, dairy, dairy farmer from Wisconsin, yeah, you're he literally like slammed his head in the wall saying, Give me the fuck out of here, I want to murder these motherfuckers, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like him and Kirby Smart, we get along. Let me, let me out of this fucking cage. I think is when when he yelled one game. Let yeah, me, he was he was a different. Sounds player. like him and Kirby Smart are good friends. Yeah, he was just freaking nuts. But sky is not falling in Fargo. There's still a lot of reasons for optimism. One thing is, is I think another thing too is I would not be surprised if there's going to be some type of quarterback competition between Cam Miller and Cole Payton this spring and carries into the fall. I think. Cole Payton, who came here, came to NDSU as a big time recruit. You know, they I think there's time they want to see it. Cam Miller, as great as he's been in his time, he's it's been up and down, but he won a national title. He made it to a national title this year. Uh, he he wasn't supposed to even be a starter when he was recruited here. He was kind of just going to be a filler, a backup role, 
similar to like what a uh, Cole Davis was for NDSU and Quincy Patterson didn't work out. So he got flushed into the role and he played as well as you can. I think you've almost maximized the talent that he has. And I think you have to see, at least see what, what you have in Cole Payton. Didn't they lose their DC too, just to Northwestern? Yeah, he's going to Northwestern. Uh, Dwayne Brown, I think, is his name. Is but, he, what's, is he going, I think he's DC. DC. He's going to be the D coordinator at yeah, um, yeah, Northwestern. Yeah, he yeah, the guy for like the last twenty years. Retired. Yeah, he retired. But they also Northwestern just had uh, hazing allegations tonight, so that their university is looking at by the football team or just yeah, the school football team. Oh, shocking. A rich frat boy school accused of hazing. Never heard that one before. But that's new, totally new information to me. Yeah. Well, hopefully they take the baseball bats away, if you know, if you know, if you know what I'm saying, boys. <laughs> yeah. But you guys, you guys got any – you, Carlos and Tristan, you guys have anything more on the NDSU game? Well, I, I think you're right, Dylan. I think there needs to be some sort of competition. QB competition because, you know, I understand, you know, like you said, Cam Miller has played in two national titles and he is a national champion. How much of that, though, is a product of the environment around him? I mean, you can't have many more 1-12 in 12 semifinal games in this team to expect to play for a national championship. And like you said, throughout the whole regular season, uh, you know, he needs, he, you know, needs to pick it up. His receivers need to help him out like that. And Maybe, I will say that, too, is – uh, Zach Mathis coming back. He has impressed me. The, he will go in next year to Indy with next year as the clear number one go-to guy. That was something that we've been hammering on all year is who's going to step up and be that guy. And Zach Mathis, I, Mathis has emerged as the guy. We'll see if there's some other ones that can take that next step. Uh, Eli Green had a touchdown in the championship game. And the other part, too, is, is NDSU has to get healthy. Like, they were de- – NDSU, they were out, you know. It probably doesn't make a difference the way South Dakota State played, but Hunter Lipke out, Noah Gindorf out, those are two guys that are going to be playing in the NFL next year. That that's a, Those are some big losses. They were missing a couple of guys on the O-line. The defense was beat up, and there's, there's some things that need to be worked out. You know, the tackling – improved from the South Dakota State game, but it was still against in the championship. It looked like they haven't practiced tackling the linebackers. There's need to be some improvement there as well. And then they got to replace two safeties on the back end. Well, Dylan, you beat me to it. I was going to go wide receivers. I mean, when we were there, they always had that one guy that got open, whether it was Darius Shepard or RJ Erzadowski, I think is how you yep. say it. Zach Ra. Yeah, Zach, Zach Ra. They were always open and they always made that play. They didn't have that this year. So, like, I didn't watch enough to know, like, who they have coming in. But even, like, Christian Watson last year, like, they always had one of those guys that seemed to be the dude. Like, they need that guy moving forward. Like, like you said, that Eli, is that his name that you said? Or? Yep. Eli Green. Yeah. Uh, Raja Nelson will be back. Braylon Henderson. And they've got is a couple of guys. Are getting PT at all or no? He sparingly. Uh, there's there's a couple of freshmen that redshirted this year. Um, guy from Mankato West, Grant's alma mater. Uh, I have the thing here actually. Uh, it was. I know he's. I just. I know he's a big tall kid. 
Yeah, he was six four. Uh, Makai yeah. Collins. Yep. Oh, that's from, his name. Uh, yeah, he was from North, North Mankato, Minnesota, and then Carson Hagerly, who played at played for West Fargo last year too. Hmm. I wouldn't be shocked to see them. They're they're bigger. They're bigger receivers. Makai six four. I think Carson's six three. I would Bryce's Bryce Lance is also six four. I think that's one where you have to see and NDSU they've on paper like recruiting wise it looks like they've recruited guys well but for some reason they haven't been able to develop them and bring them along you know we thought Phoenix Sproles was going to be the clear-cut number one this year he didn't work out he's not playing here anymore either so that that I think that's one thing that you need to see is guy you need guys that can consistently get open Pretty sure Makai Collins had an Iowa State offer at one point, but they also did. seem to offer everyone in Minnesota that's like a borderline power five player. So that's also yeah, not well, yeah. Iowa State as a program, you know, they offer four hundred fifty yeah, scholarships a year. You know, anyone within in Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, you're getting an offer from Iowa State. Mm-hmm. So, but also, I think maybe you know is now also if you just look at the timeline for when coach, you know. Coach Kleiman left now. This this was what his fourth year at Kansas State. Yep. Yep. So then you know for turn it's you know the fourth year of this new regime. Um, he took over for Coach Kleiman, and sometimes you know it's a challenge to, you know, um, not only recruit players but also to develop players. With that, and now that you know his players are out, it's this new coaching staff. It's their players are in it. Sometimes you're going to have hits. Sometimes you're going to have misses. So maybe they can just you know learn from these. On, on the recruiting trail to continue to get, you know, good teams and bring good players in. And it's, well, it's no, no shot at them, but you know what? I mean, you know, those first couple of years when they were rolling people and they were great teams, those were, you know, close times recruiting classes. And you know, now these last couple, it's a new regime, and maybe they, they just need to learn and, you know, change change things up a bit. Who knows? Maybe change up your um, off-season strength conditioning program. Players are getting hurt all the time. Maybe change change up the medical staff. You know, going to national championships not a bad thing. You know, hang your head on that each year, but there's always learning opportunities. And right now, this is a time to maybe change it up. Your offseason, like I said, strength conditioning, training staff, the way you recruit players. It's a good time to kind of self-evaluate and try to get back in it, win a, win a chip next year. Yeah, well, and you perspective also matters too, is because NDSU's played has won nine national championships in twelve years. Most teams are lucky to get one. Like, for example, Montana State last year, they played for the national title. They forgot to show up, forgot that they were playing in it. But before that, the last time they were playing in a national title was 1984, which it was almost 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we these Bison fans, what they can't take the winning and the success and the tradition that they have for granted, because which feels like they – they're doing, but because it is extremely hard to do. For one, it's hard to win one in general. And then to maintain that sec- success and keep guys uh, keep guys in the program and keep them focused and hungry, that's a whole different story because you're dealing with college kids where one day they're a great day, the next day the, their girlfriend could dump them and they're just in a bad spot. You you never know what you're gonna get with kids that age, and to win nine national titles in a twelve year span, enjoy it. 
because there's nobody. Yes, the fans want to win. Everybody wants to win. But there's nobody who wants to win more than those kids in the locker room putting in the work. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you take that same thing to the FBS level. People are like, Alabama's this year. This season was a failure. So 11-2, and two, beating the hell out of the Big 12 champs in your bowl game and losing two games on the final play by, like, a combined, what, four points. That's a bad year. Oh, darn. I wish that I wish that was a bad year. Shoot. Yeah. And then, you know, just to show how dominant Alabama was, people the other day, they're trying to talk on social media. Oh, is Georgia's potential dynasty going to be what Alabama's or close to what Clemson is? Well, first off, Clemson was never a dynasty. You need to win three to win a dynasty. And if Georgia wants to go where Alabama is, they're only a third of the way there. Saban's won six there. Kirby's still going to win four more. That just shows how impressive, you know, that streak was. So it's like, to your point exactly. If people are winning, let them enjoy the winning because it's 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 a hard thing to do. You know, you're, well, you, even in the like in the NFL, you know, Kansas City winning seven straight division titles, New England winning ten or eleven in a row. That doesn't happen. That's just it, it's 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 a hard thing to do. Well, I mean, you Georgia, this is the first time a team's won back to back national titles since Alabama did it ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy to do. I mean, how many times have you gone and watched teams where they win a national title and then the next year they, they, you know, they still win games because the talent is there, but they don't look good. They limp in, you know, a couple that come to Bell is twenty the 2014 Florida State team undefeated, win every game, but they looked awful and they somehow, somehow were able to beat the team every team they played until they played Oregon in the Rose Bowl. And then the next year, Ohio State, where they got hot at the end and then they limped in, they let their guard down against Michigan State against the backup quarterback and lost. And they were talented enough to win a national title that year. I mean, you go look, go back, look at that roster. They probably had 17 guys when it was all said and done that were contributing that played that was drafted or played in the NFL at some point. It's- well, then that, that Ohio State team, the way they played those last two games against Michigan and Notre Dame, that team would have won the national title. Yes. Yeah. That was the team that everyone thought was coming in August. Um, you know, when Braxton Miller hit the spin move against Virginia Tech in the second half there, that, yeah. that was disgusting. But that, you know, that was the, that was the team everyone thought they were going to get all year. And Urban Meyer even said that year was the hardest year he's ever had coaching. Yeah. Yeah, she's come back. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then even, you know, the Clemson Tigers, the year they won, they lost to LSU in the national championship. They were playing with their food. Yeah, that that's another season, one, too. In, you know, 2019. And then they got focused. And, frankly, they got lucky they lost to Ohio State. They beat Ohio State that day, but... You know, hey, that's in the past. You know, they just they couldn't finish it out against LSU. But yeah, to your point exactly, that's another team where they were limping along, and you know, they didn't, they weren't on their A game because you're now the hunted, you're not the hunters. Yep, yep. But NDSU season comes to a close, and let's roll up to the NFL, and we'll just let's just start. Let's go down the uh, go down the dock and starting with the Saturday games. First game. 
on Saturday is Seahawks at 49ers, 2.30 Mountain on Fox. Niners are 9.5-point favorites. Over-unders, 42.5. This game, I feel like, I think if you're betting the total, I think you bet the under. I think this is going to be a very much a ball control field position game. Um, Pete Carroll has had some success against the Niners in the past. I, um, I Geno's had a really good year. You know, everybody had, I think everybody on the podcast, you guys both had, and myself. I know I had Seattle finishing last in the NFC West, but Geno's had a good year. They've found a really nice running back. They've got good receivers in Lockett and Metcalf. A uh, big thing, too, that I think is going to come up, come for uh, that if Seattle is going to want to have a shot and stick around this game is if they're going to be able to keep Geno upright against this nasty pass rush for the Niners. I just don't see Seattle winning. I mean, yeah, they've had a decent year. Geno's obviously had a hell of a year, setting the all-time passing record for Seattle right the year after Russell leaves. 17th game. So it's fine. It's fine. You know what? Russell sucks, so I was going to say it. That he does. Um, but uh, I just don't see them going into San Francisco beating them, even with a rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy, trying to stop or Iowa State. But, uh, yeah, I think 49ers roll. You know, Nathan, I think this, if there's one game this weekend that could get ugly, and there probably will be one. We can't have a divisional weekend like we had last year every single weekend. If there's a game that could get ugly, this is one of the two that I pick. Um, and I get, you know, Pete Carroll, he's had success, you know, in the past, but, you know, this isn't that same Seahawks team. And even what he said yesterday, he said, you know, hey, I'm glad we're in the playoffs, but unfortunately we have to play the Niners. You know, the, hot, the hottest team in football. But if the Seahawks want to win, they're going to have to do something that teams have not done since Brock Purdy has taken over. They're going to have to turn the Niners over. Probably – Two, if not if not three times, uh, to, to to win this game, just because, like you know, said, the Niners are the hottest team in football right now, and you know that defense is absolutely flying around, and I just don't see these long methodical drives that Seattle's going on working against the Niners. You're going to have to take some deep shots. You're going to have to get aggressive with it because this Niners offense is absolutely humming on offense, and they're going on all cylinders. You know, ever since, you know, McCaffrey's been in that second game against after they played Kansas City, they're just absolutely rolling right now. So, like NDSU last week, Seattle's going to have to play a perfect game and probably, in my eyes, at least at least have three turnovers. And that also includes missed field goals and maybe fourth downs uh, with the Niners. The Niners don't get it with that. I think we'll have a good idea within the first – uh, within San Francisco's first offensive possession, if Seattle can get through that first 15-play script without giving up a touchdown, minimum forcing them on a field goal, I think we'll have a good idea of how this game will play out. I think Seattle is obviously going to try and run the ball. They're going to try to play, try to keep it out of that San Francisco offense hands that is rolling. But, yeah, I I think the Niners win. That 9.5, I I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle covers, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I think the Niners are playing too well. I think they roll to a win, <laughs> and it, this also feels like a game too that if the Niners can 
I wouldn't be shocked if they try to do what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo in the 19th season where he only has to throw the ball 10 times and not put the pressure on him. And if, if the game plays out where they're able to play it on their terms, it that's what will happen. Oh, for sure. Uh, but you know, also I think, you know, this Niners offense, they have a lot more better skill players than that 19, um, you know, offense, you know, that they still had George Kittle, but now you have, you also have McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and just all the horses at, at their dispense. So, but again, Brock, if, if Brock Purdy throws the ball more than 25 times, that's a problem for San Francisco because that means Seattle's in this game. But again, like I said, I, I think this, if there's one game that could get, get ugly this weekend, it is this it is this game right here. Yep. Yep. And we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see how they uh, – we'll see – We'll see how this playoff game shakes out, and and then let's go. Let's go down to the second game of the day, and I think this on paper this looks like it could be the best playoff game of the weekend. Chargers at Jaguars. Chargers two point road favorites. Six fifteen Mountain Time on NBC. Totals forty seven and a half. First playoff game. First playoff matchup of what could be plenty of these two between. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. And it sounds like Mike Williams is going to play. Chargers have to take advantage of a uh, bad Jags offensive line. And in the end, I think this game is going to come down to coaching. And I don't trust Brandon Staley still. So I I, I think I like Trevor Lawrence to get his first first win in the first uh, playoff win. I'm with, not with you, Dylan. I, I, I think the Jags are going to win this game. And I think the reason the Jags are going to win this game is because they have Travis, Travis Etienne on the offensive end, and he's a, diff, he's, he's a difference maker, not only on the ground, but also in the air catching the ball. But the big thing is, is they're, they're front four. They're front seven on their defense. Oh, my God, they are flying around, and they are fast, and they are, they are just knocking people's, knocking people's socks off right now. And, you know, Rashawn Slater was taken off the injured reserve and designated return, but he's not going to play this weekend. So, you know, could uh, Trayvon Walker, Arden Key, and Josh Allen get after Herbert with still a banged-up Chargers offensive line. And I know Mike Williams is going to play, but he has back spasms, you know, short week, cross-country flight. I just – I really like this Jags front seven to get after Herbert and make enough tackles in the open field because Austin Eckler also for the Chargers is their leading receiver where they're not going to let him make a guy miss – and turn a four-yard reception into a 12-yarder. I, I just I think the Jags and Dougie P they got something good rolling, and um, you know they're gonna they looked nervous last week against the Titans, but I think that was because that was a win and get in. They were nervous. Now that they're in, this is kind of the week two of their playoffs. The nerves are gonna settle a little bit, and you know they got a Super winning coach on their side, Dougie P, and he's gonna get them ready to play. The Jags are gonna advance. I guess that makes all three of us. So uh, looks like looks Chargers, like are, Chargers win. are winning the game. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm. I think Travis Etienne's a difference when he can get going on the ground. That opens everything for this offense. They've done it multiple times this year. I don't know what the record is when he gets over 100 yards, but it's got to be six and one, seven, something like that. It's a, it's some really really good number. So it opens everything else up when he runs and. 
The Chargers defense sucks. Oh. Against the run, I think they're like the ninth worst in the league against the run in terms of yards per game. So I think ETN's going to feast, and he's going to hit 160. Well, then all, another player we're not talking about is Christian Kirk. You yeah. Know, yep. Ten months ago, people were making fun of the Jags and him for giving him $84 million over four years. Well, joke's on us because I think he has, you know, he's over 10 touchdowns. He's like top eight fans. 80, 80 plus catches. I mean, he's having a career here, and he's he's playing great. Same with Zay Jones. Uh, just don't forget Evan Ingram. Now. And, and Evan Ingram, God, he Evan won Ingram people too. fantasy or ruined people's fantasy. You know, like, talk, he literally killed everyone. Talk about how to build build a receiving core in the offseason. Shout out to Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson for doing that. They have Calvin Ridley coming in next. And year. Calvin Ridley coming in next year too. You know, so, so shout out. Forgot to Trent about him. Um, so I just. Like I said, I just you know they're young, they're hungry, and the Jags, they're 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 confident. That's the big thing. They're hot. They're not limping in the playoffs. The Chargers, for some reason, played their starters way too late last week against the Broncos. They lost that game, short trip across the country, and you know, like Dylan said, Duval County, they're they're getting after it. Uh, uh, TIA Bank Stadium last week looked like when Georgia and Florida were there. Those fans, they were getting into it. They're going to be hyped up. Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to get their first playoff win since 2017. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, too, that I saw this stat today that – mo, and mo, it, and we've, we've said this before on the podcast, too, but, you know, the biggest key to playoff success is running the ball and stopping the run. Here's the stat. Teams have a 75% chance of winning in the playoffs when they outrush their opponent. Last year, five of the six wildcard winners outrushed their opponents. Oh, yeah. I mean, even even on the college level, Dylan, for your game, Michigan-Ohio State, the winner of the last 22 games has outrushed yep. their opponent. Yep, exactly. It's, it's not that hard. You come this time of the year. The game, wait for it, simplifies. And your good coaches understand that, and your bad ones don't. Yep. And do you think do you think uh, Staley gets fired if they uh, if the J- Chargers lose? No, no. To 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 bring this team in with all the injuries they had, and to still fight and scratch and claw and get ten wins, I don't think they're going to because you need to realize their owner is a cheap son of a bitch. And he's <laughs> he's not going to want to pay him for services he's not bringing. Um, bring him anymore unless they have a deal with Sean Payton ready to roll and he's got a pen in his hand and you can get him in there. But I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're going to fire Stanley. Yeah, don't be a Texans uh, owner and pay three coaches at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep well, that, I, I can't believe he was playing Mike Williams that late in the game. Well, that is with, with, a, with, with a guy that has in, with the injury history he has, and he is the difference maker with the Chiefs, with the Chargers offense, because they go as Mike Williams goes. That guy just, he flips the field. Oh, exactly. He, he's probably the best 50-50 ball catcher in the NFL. I mean, how, how much, how high he can hang in the, the coordination he has to get his feet in bounds while catching this ball also is ridiculous. And, you know, there was, I think the Chargers this year played like four games when him, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler were all on the field at the same time with their skill, skill positions. And for him to play him that late is just ridiculous. Going into that game, knowing you're going to Jacksonville. The Ravens lost. They were playing the Bengals again. You knew 
you had to get on a plane and fly three hours across the country and have a crazy time schedule this week. You didn't know you were playing on Saturday. Maybe you knew, but it's just, it, that's, that's some coaching malpractice. Right there. And I'm not saying they're going to fire him, but if they lose this game, you can guarantee that seat might be a little, a little warmer, especially if he can't get a defense to play in Los Angeles when that's his calling card. Because remember, he had the number one defense in the NFL for the Rams in 2020 before he was hired. Yeah. Well, and they don't play like it since he's taken over as the Chargers head coach. Well, their their problem is, is they they decided to sign a bunch of old veteran players who were hurt, and they haven't built their roster with young players through the draft. I mean, you know, you say Jeremy James. Jeremy James is great, but unfortunately that young man always is hurt. He's always missing six games of the year. Bosa was we're getting drunk. ejected. Khalil Mack, you know, bringing in Kyle Van Noy, he's a nice player, but he's, he's older too. They haven't had a defensive tackle in 12 years. I mean, I, I think Sean Green is still running in that touchdown the divisional round against the Chargers <laughs> right, right now. Um, so they just – that'll be the big thing, for, I think, for Staley. Now I'm looking at the offseason, but can you coach up that defense and can they get some new young players in there? Can they stay healthy for the love of God? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose with that, let's uh, let's go over to the Sunday games. And the Dolphins travel up to Buffalo, where they uh, the Bills are 13-point favorites, 11 a.m. Mountain on CBS. Tua is out. And we talked about the uh, San, San Francisco-Seattle game, one that we think could get really ugly early. This, this is the- another one. This is the first one that I had, had in mind that I will – this game will get ugly. This game will not be pretty unless – Josh Allen, which he's been known to do this year, is you know gives Miami a couple of possessions, gives them some short fields, and they can capitalize on it. But even I don't see that happening, and no. I I think this game is over at halftime. I I just don't see any way the Dolphins make this game competitive. Well, I I think Josh Allen very well may give the Dolphins a short field, but Skylar Thompson's not taking advantage of that. Not against that defense in that stadium. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, it's not going to happen. And now with what the Bills have planned for, um, there, there's going to be all sorts of energy in that stadium. Tables are going to be broken. They're probably going to be broken tables on the field. And I, and I, and I'm all for it. Mike McDaniel might get hit in the head with one, and they might have to put their coaching protocol down there in Miami. <laughs> and also, you know. The Dolphins have lost their last, I think, nine or seven games when the temperature's been below 40 degrees. Guess what? The, that's what the high on Sunday afternoon is going to be. 30, 28. 33, baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I, th- I think this this is the game that will be the ugliest of uh, of the weekend just because the Dolphins are so, so shorthanded. I mean, when you're starting a seventh-round rookie and not named Brock Purdy, and Skyler Thompson, you're you're in for a war. I think Buffalo has their starters sitting by the end of the third quarter. So that's how I think this game goes. Yeah, they're they're at the end of the third quarter. They're getting ready for uh, a matchup with probably Cincinnati the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and we'll get to that game in a little bit here. But let's go. Let's go over to the state. You two, you two dickweeds are in and state of that's Minnesota. I'm offended. Shut up. Tell it You're to your so therapist. Awesome. 
You're so soft. And I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think if we're calling each other dickweeds, I think that's a good sign that we're getting along and we're friends. You know, that's that's how I explain our our friendship to people. If we're not giving each other the business and not shit talking each other, that's when you should be concerned. I'm just happy I don't have a big flag in my room with an M on it that stands for men. That's just my that's just me. Yeah, I might have to change that. What well, M for mediocrity? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Dude. <laughs> just everything about me is mid. Everything. Everything. Well, not not everything. Some some yeah, things it's okay. less than mid. You're from North Dakota. We know how those go. <laughs> oh, I know. I don't run from it. I I'm I'm well aware. You embrace but, it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's kind of hard. You embrace but, the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but Giants at Vikings. We got a rematch of a Christmas Eve. I don't think it's going to be a whiteout. Vikings three point favorites. 2.30 on Fox. Vikings, I think they need to, offensively is to have, you know, a solid run game, a nice balanced attack. Try to, try to be about 50-50 run pass. They can't afford to get low points like they seem to be prone to throughout this year. You know, on paper, the Vikings are the better team, better roster. They're more talented. Go out there, play like it, and don't make this game interesting. Don't make Viking fans do what they've been so familiar and know have to do all year, where they've had to sweat games out, where they feel like they were ahead, and then they let them back in. Step on, step on their necks, turn the knife, and end the giant season. And I think another part of way to do that is they have to shut down the run game. Shut down the run game and make Daniel Jones beat you. Well, I think that that's the whole game right there. Make eight beat you, not twenty six. Yep. Because as soon as you take away the play action game, the roll, you know, the rollout game that the Giants have when Saquon's going, I'm sorry, but Daniel Jones in that mediocrity wide receiver room that the New York Jets call a receiver room is not going to win a playoff. You know how many more yards Kenny Galladay or yards or catches he needs to yeah, get his bonus? 75. Yeah, okay, well. Well, the playoffs don't count towards that, so he's SOL. He is not getting his, like, $750,000. You know what's funny is the Giants trade away the wrong receiver. They could have used, used Kadarius Toney and got rid of Yes. Galladay. No one wanted Galladay. No well, and, and I know I'm just making a joke here. I'm being facetious about it because uh, – Kadarius is helping my team out, which I'm a fan of. But, you know, like I said, Dylan, this, this game's simple. If the Vikings want to win, make 20, take 26 out of this game. Make Daniel Jones beat you. Because what does Daniel Jones do? He likes to throw the ball to the other team. And if you can, you can get two turnovers off him, maybe get a short field, keep this crowd into it, you know, have the Vikings offense playing with some energy. I, I, see, I, see, good, I see good things happening with that. And then also... You know, this is going to be a big week for the Vikings offensive line. Still down a couple starters. But you're playing, you know, Link Martindale. He is going to bring the kitchen sink. He he is going to come after Cousins. Uh, so Kirk, KOC, and the offensive line, they have to have a good plan where they're getting this ball out quick 
and where not only Kirk, but also his receivers know each hot route on every concept they have, because they're probably going to have, they're probably going to need to know because I wouldn't be surprised if Markdale brings the pressure 50% of the time in this game, knowing that, you know, we're on the road, you know, it's going to be a you know, hostile environment. They, they're thinking we need to get a couple turnovers to change uh, the way this game's played and get our offense a short field. So know your hot receivers, know the pressure's coming, and just don't, don't have any mistakes to keep the Giants in this game. Positive news for the Vikings is Brad Barron was back at practice today, and Brandel, who I guess isn't your starting tackle, but played pretty damn well in the absence of Darisaw, so he, I think he's going to swing over to right tackle more than likely and uh, replace O'Neal over there. So not great, but the fact that you get your center back, I feel like is a lot more important than getting a tackle, a lot easier to help a tackle on blocking than it is a center. Well, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with the communication I was just yeah. talking about. Yeah. So your starting center and your quarterback know the pressure is, hey, the Giants are doing this, Kirk, you know, we're gonna, you're going to do this, and then he can tell every offensive line, we need to slide this way, we need to do that. You know, so that, that's big if Bradbury can come back because he's, you know, he's the anchor in the middle there. And, again, when you're playing a Wink Martindale defense, when he's going to throw the kitchen sink at you, you need to have a confident center who knows those looks and can make the right. Yeah, and it. I think uh, I, I think the Vikings find a way to win again. You know, it's always dangerous when you play a team a second time, but in the end, the Vikings have, like I said, to start when we started breaking this game down. Better team, better roster, better talent. Go make the Giants question if they want to re-sign Daniel Jones because it sounds like they're going to try to work out a contract extension with him. He's better than Dak. Right now, yeah, probably. Well, I don't. I don't want to talk about it yet. I'm not ready yet. We got a game left before we discuss Cowboys Bucks. Okay. Okay. All right. So, we'll we'll go with the uh, nightcap of the Sunday slate. The Ravens travel to Cincinnati, where the Bengals are eight and a half point favorites, six fifteen Mountain Time on NBC. Sounds like Lamar Jackson is not playing. And I know the Bengals have some some injury questions as well as uh, Karras is going to be out, and I believe Kappa is probably not playing. And, you know, Collins is out for the year too. Yep, and, and Lyle Collins is out. So that is some cause for concern for a Cincinnati team that was playing their best ball. Mm-hmm. And... I still think they're going to be talented enough to play to beat the Ravens just because I don't think the Ravens are going to have enough firepower offensively. They don't have anybody to throw the ball to. And the the only way this game, I think, is close is if the if the Ravens are able to create some turnovers, get a, get a pick six, get something on special teams, which Jim Har- or John Harbaugh is a special teams coordinator, so he – he might have some things up his sleeve to uh, to kind of steal some steal a possession, flip the field, something like that. I think that's something the Bengals have to be ready for. But yeah, I I don't think this game is going to be much of a game. I'm interested to see how T Higgins bounces back because last week I I didn't watch the game. 
But he had one catch on seven targets. So, I mean, how much was the DeMar Hamlin situation impacting him? Uh, I have no idea whether that was it, whether it's just good coverage by Ravens. I have no idea. That's just for his standard, that's a lot. It's not very many catches for how many targets he has. But uh, I, I'm with you. I think the, the Bengals win pretty handily uh, anyway. But uh, Ravens without Lamar Jackson are basically the Browns. Well, and and then if you're the Bengals, you know that they're starting an undrafted guy. Blitz the shit out of them. Yeah, just you eight guys in the box, and when they do have to pressure, bring six people, make them get the ball up quick, make them, you know, know where the hot routes are. It's just, you know, make it an ugly game, which I think, you know, the Bengals are going to try to do because they're also probably thinking this. All right, let's try to get a nice lead, get our starters out of here, and so that we can get ready um, to go to Buffalo you know, this this next week and, you know, play in our first legit playoff game with that because, like Ethan said, it just shows how important Lamar Jackson is to this Ravens team. Without him, they're a five, six win team here. And it yep. sounds like he's doing everything he can right now, but he just, he can't practice. He can't run on that knee, which, which really sucks for them because that's now two years in a row. Where they were flying high and they had a chance to win the division. And then, you know, unfortunately Lamar gets hurt. And the season just kind of derails from there. And he's got a he's got a contract extension they have to work out. So who knows? This we might we might see might have seen the last of Lamar Jackson in a Ravens uniform. Something tells me though the fact that they just signed Roquan, um, they know how important he is to this team. If they have to, they'll slap that franchise tag on him. Yeah. Because now, yeah, now that they signed that. Roquan the other day, you know they now they have that at their um, disposal. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that one plays out, and then let's go to the final final game of Wild Card Weekend on Monday night, my birthday, January sixteenth. Cowboys care. play the Bucks on ABC, ESPN slash ESPN. Cowboys somehow are two and a half point favorites, and the Bucks are not a good team. They have not played well all year, but they still have that Tom Brady guy that's jersey is behind me. Um and Dak's been had his head up his ass and he can't turn the ball over, which he's done fifteen times this year. And part of it is I think you need they need to use his legs. It's playoff football. There's no you know take the uh restrictions off him, let him go. When he's using his legs, I think he is at his best. It sounds like Tyler Biotish and Leighton Van Der Esch are going to be back, which are nice additions, especially because the defense hasn't felt like they've been the same since Van Leighton's been out. Um, you know, big thing is is getting pressure on Brady too. Is get it and get it from the inside because that's where he's dangerous when he's stepping up in the pocket, and if you're getting inside pressure. He doesn't have anywhere to go or to step up, and he's not going to be able to extend plays in that way. And then the other part is, is unlike last year, actually look prepared. Don't come out sloppy, sluggish, and look like you have never played football in your life. Or you just ate Thanksgiving dinner right before the game and you can't yeah. move. And then the other part is, is get get playmakers involved because CD Lamb can't have another game like he had last year against the 49ers where he had one catch. Well, he, he needs, played last year? 
apparently he was he was on the uh he was on the active roster but I think he somebody forgot to tell him that he was playing. Okay, okay. But yeah, no Dylan, I'm I'm with you. I think I think that this game it's going to come down to when Dallas's defense and when Dallas is good this year, they're wreaking havoc on the other team's quarterback. And when that pass rush takes a week off and decides not to show up, they are an extremely mediocre team. Um, and they're they're not they're not going to win this game. Yeah, and for mediocre. And then you know, hey, how fitting I'm talking about the Dallas pass rush as I have my Tristan Wirfs jersey on right now. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, getting him back. Hey, congrats to him though. He just got a new nice contract extension. Didn't he? Nothing. Uh, pretty sure he did. I don't think so. I don't think so. He's only in his what second year? Third year. Yeah, there's no they're going to pick up that fifth year option after this year. That's going to be a pretty easy. One. Oh, I thought I, I thought I saw something that said oh. that he was. Or who knows? They might be talking extension this off season, but you know, when it comes to picking up that first round fifth year option this March, that's going to be a pretty quick. Yes. Uh, down, down, down there in the Bay, in the eight one three area code, but. And then, you know, if I'm Dallas, I'm letting Micah Parsons choose where he wants to rush. Don't have him line up at just strictly left end. Don't have him line up at strictly right end. Let him do a J.J. Watt and go down and face everyone once um, before, you know, in the first two series of this game. And then let him say, you know what, their weak link is the left guard. I'm going to rush on the inside. Uh, or, you know what, Donovan Smith's having a bad year because Donovan Smith is awful. I'm going to rush left tackle and, and get on Brady's blind side. And then, you know, for the Dallas offense, again, like I've said a thousand times before, I'll say it again, less stack equals more. This Tampa rush defense came into the year with the reputation of being the best in the league. Well, that's just because people were afraid to run against them. And now you've seen this year, people are able to run on Tampa, get Zeke going, get Tony Pollard going. Wait for it, Dylan. Run the offense you ran with Cooper Rush. With Dak, who cares if he's a Thank you. dollar quarterback? Just run the ball, be smart with it, get your quarterback on the move, nice, easy throws. Just because you paid him a lot of money doesn't mean you need to have him get out of his comfort zone. Because Dak's best year was when he was a rookie. And hell, I mean, look at that. They had Zeke run on the ball, and they won 13 games. So get after Tom, slow the, slow the game down on offense, and don't have any turnovers. Because you got to think, if Dallas plays a turnover-free game, I really like their chances to win this game because Tampa's offense doesn't have much chemistry or cohesion going where if you make them go 75 yards consistently, they're just not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've like Tampa Bay's look in games. They've looked good for like 10 minutes of games where the, the first drive where they look good and then they get into the red zone and then they stall, kick a field goal. And then they don't do anything the rest of the game until like eight minutes left, and it's like, oh, we better oh, start playing now. Yeah. And then they go. Don't let it get to that. Get out in front, play with a lead, and when you have a chance, land the knockout punch and end, end Tampa Bay's season. Put them out of their misery. And take Leonard Fournette in this running game off the field. Make Tom throw it 50 times. Yep. Really what this game comes down to is how many pick sixes Dak Prescott throws. He's good at that. He's good at it. Now, he is. Very good. Or not, I don't really know if I'm being serious or not. I think I'm leaning more towards serious. But the Tampa secondary is going to play a hell of a lot better than they were earlier this year. 
And then you have, I mean, you have Chris Godwin slash Mike Evans going against the best and worst corner in the league, Trayvon Diggs, depending on how you perceive Godwin. Depending on the snap. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's all they have there, too. So hopefully it is the best Trayvon Diggs because after him, they, they miss Anthony Brown. They miss Jordan Lewis. Mm-hmm. Kelvin Joseph couldn't cover anything. And couldn't cover water if he fell out of a boat. I mean, yeah, a, exactly. Tom Brady goes like vintage Tom Brady this weekend and just lights the living shit out of Dallas. Like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but he has two good wide receivers that can make your day really bad, Dylan. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware. I figured. Even in the regular season. You know, Tampa was moving the ball. They just kicked a 1,000 field goals Yeah, in, in, in that game. I mean, so, you know, Tampa, they might be able to move the ball all the time in here. But if just, you know, if that's the case, again, you got to climb down in the red zone. But, again, less Dak equals more. You don't, with this roster, you don't need to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow to win if you're Dallas. Put the ego to the side. And let your running backs get going. Yeah, and this is as good of a roster as you're going to get too with Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just find a way. If 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 the Cowboys want to go on a run, you know, like we said with Dak, less is more. But also, he's going to have to play the best four, put together the best four games of his career. Is he able to do that? No. We're about to find out. And so I suppose with that, I guess, Grant, we'll, we'll kick it over to you because you have Curveball of the Week. So before we get into that, um, should we just throw in something a little fun here? Pre-playoff, who we think the Super Bowl is going to be right now, before the games are played, so we can circle back in four weeks, just kind of see something a little fun here? Sure. Yeah. So we'll, are, we, are we just saying – how about let's do our conference championships? No, nope, no, nope, I don't even want that. Okay, just, just just our playoff, our Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl prediction. As of right now, I'm just curious. Who does Ethan, who does Dylan, and myself, who do we think the Super Bowl matchup is going to be? All right. I think you had you had Rams at the start of the year. You had Rams, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who you had in the AFC. Was it Bills? I think we all had the Bills. I think we all had Okay. Bills. So I'm sticking with my AFC pick, the Bills. Yay, Stephon Diggs. And I'll say versus uh, 49ers, Iowa State's uh, Brock Purdy gets it done. Okay. Gets it done. Brock Purdy just he, doesn't fuck does it. Does he send Trey Lance to the curb? I mean, it's almost like a Tom Brady Drew Garoppolo. Oh, a Tom Brady Drew Bledsoe. This is a fast. Except Trey Lance hasn't done shit, so I shouldn't say that. Drew Bledsoe yeah. was $100 million. Quarter. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, All right. So, Grant, I'll you can go. Uh, I'm going to stick with my NFC preseason prediction, San Francisco 49ers. Hey. hey. With that. And uh, I think there is uh, revenge and or vindication, and we now can say we have a rivalry in the AFC. The Chiefs, Chiefs beat the Bengals, and we get a rematch of Super Bowl 54. Nice. Okay. Chiefs Niners. Thank you. Is that, that's what you had at the start of the year, too, didn't you? Chiefs Bills. Oh, you did it. To start I mean, year, 49ers Bills. 49ers Bills. Yeah, 49ers. To start the year, I said Pat Mahomes would be the MVP, but the Bills would get the best of them in the AFC. So We're looking pretty good on that prediction of uh, MVP so, for but, the But right now, I'm going to switch it up. Niners, Chiefs, rematch Super Bowl 54. Okay. 
All right, so I had I had Bills Bucks in the uh, in the Super Bowl. Someone drank the Brady juice. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. What the? Somebody was somebody was eating some beans or something. Okay, I don't know what that was. You were uh, well, yeah, you you're Jim Tom Sula in a press conference farting. Yeah, I had red cow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I had so I'm changing mine. Wow. I think it's gonna be Chiefs. I just don't. I think they're playing well. I think they're gonna find a way. And I think Andy Reid has learned from the mistake of last year of they're gonna commit to more of a run game, and that's gonna lead them into the into the Super Bowl, and they will be playing. I, get, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're playing way too well. I think they're going to be able to play most games on their terms. And I think we have a rematch, like Grant said, 49ers-Chiefs in the Super Bowl. All right, so it'll be a fun three weeks, that's for damn sure. Yes, can't wait. If it's going to be anything like last year, we're in for a treat here, boys. Um. Yeah, so curveball of the week here. You know, earlier today we were uh, we were texting in our group chat because Dylan, you said the Twins had a major announcement coming this afternoon, and I threw out the hypothetical um, that hey, are they going to play in the Field of Dreams game this year? So I went to Google, and unfortunately, they're not having the Field of Dreams game this season because they're doing oh. construction on the ballparks down there. <laughs> but what next series will resume? In 2024. So it's just a one-year hiatus while they're doing some construction down there in Dyersville. But I got thinking of that classic movie, you know, Kevin Costner's famous line, you know, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. And there's been a bunch of great movie lines out there. What would you say, you guys, is like the best or most iconic movie line that sticks with you? You know, that that you've seen. Because like I said, there's, there's a thousand great ones out there. What's What's one that really resonates? I'm going to rub my nutsack all over your drum set. (laughs) This probably says a lot about me, but you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And you know what? I have a six-pound medicine ball. We're going to try it with Grant right now. What am I doing? (laughs) I caught it. We're good. I caught it. Um, So one one person off the bench for my team. Ethan Ethan goes out of bounds here. Damn it. Oh man, I don't. I, I'm trying to think here. I got a good one for you, Dylan. The clown has no penis. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Step Brothers, Step Brothers, you could. There's a there's a lot of good quotes from there. No power tools. Ain't no power tools out there, Dylan. <laughs> It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Oh, shit, I was chicken wine. <laughs> uh, but no, Dylan, if you're if you're thinking here, I'm going to go more on a, on a serious note here. It's, you know, from A Few Good Men, when Tom Cruise is talking to Jack Nicholas, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And it makes you think where it's like, you know, what the men and women in our service do for us to keep us safe. There's a lot of truth that I don't want to know. Because yeah. they're probably... 
there's a lot of weird things going on behind the table where it's like, you know, it's probably good if I don't know that. So for me, it, that just kind of hits home because it's one of those where you, there's a real life aspect to that too with what's going on in the military, uh, you know, day in and day out. And some of those classified documents that they have where he's sitting there on trial, you know, I'm saying, screaming back saying, you can't handle the truth. Uh, it was just some, something iconic about that. And there's something you can bring in real life day in and day out with that. Yeah, that is a, that is a good one. Uh, oh man. I'm, that's so tough to think. Cause like I can't, what about the shitter's full? <laughs> Shitter was full. That that is a good full. one. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. Of their own. That's you a know, good one. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Yep. Um, hasta la vista, baby. Go mm-hmm. back to the Terminator. Or you know, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yep. Uh, oh man. There are a lot of good ones, and it's it's tough to think. It's tough to because there's. I think you almost have to, to like divide it up into uh, genres. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I, I mean, there's some good Will Ferrell ones. Um, Nudie Magazine Day from Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I can just pin it down to just and, one. You know, Jaws, just the iconic. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, again, back to the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I have. I'm having to look up like movie quotes because I can't think of a. Mm-hmm. Um. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem, yeah. You know what movie that's from? Why do you ask dumb questions? I don't think it's a dumb question. <laughs> Another good one from uh, from from Field of Dreams. If you build it, he will come. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's Johnny. That I've never Here's seen the Johnny. movie, but Oh, it's the one of the most iconic, mo- iconic uh, quotes in movie history. Oh, The Shining, that was a good movie. Yep. Uh, oh, th- this one. First rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club, yep. Ah. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's... Uh, and, you know, even like if we're if we're taking it like back into our, you know, like our childhood, you know, I know my favorite movie as a kid. I think this is one of Ethan's favorite too. a line from the Lion King here. It's run, run away, Simba and never return. Like you're six and you hear that and you're like, that, that just gets deep. And you don't realize mm-hmm. that. Well, you're adult. So you're saying. So you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I love the small and smell of napalm in the morning. 
Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Yeah, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. There's just so many good iconic lines out there from like when you hear it, you remember, of course, you remember the movie, but you remember like maybe the first time where you saw it, or it's one of those where it's like, you know, I always use this. If you think about how good that movie is and it's a Sunday afternoon and there's nothing going on, you're going to sit down and guess what? You're going to watch this movie. You're going to stop everything you're doing and you're going to watch it. Correct. Uh, Bond, James Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I can't. Crab uh, cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. That's what Maryland does. Crab cakes and football. That's a classic. Oh, this is this is a good one. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Mm-hmm. From the Godfather, but right. all right. Well, Jerry Maguire, you had me at hello. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or we uh we go back. We can go to Top Gun Maverick. You told me not to think. You told me not to think. And I didn't think. <laughs> what were you doing? You told me not to think. What were you thinking? You told me not to think. You told me not to think. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's all we got for this week, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Go check us out on all of our social medias. We'll be posting the clips on YouTube on Friday. And thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.